The Truth News Network. A sitting president blames the unvaccinated for the outbreak of a virus, but the outbreak is among the vaccinated. A vaccine maker announces their 98% effective vaccine is nowhere near as effective as they claimed, and now booster shots for life. How does this happen? It happens in the absence of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, brings it to clarity with Dan Newman. How does this happen? Boy, that is a salient question that we can ask as Americans pretty much every day regarding everything happening with our government. Well, we're going to take a deep dive into some of this stuff yesterday, but we would be remiss if we did not spend a few minutes talking about what happened last night regarding elections. And it wasn't just in New Jersey. It wasn't just in Virginia. There's other big news regarding elections from elsewhere in the nation. We're going to get into all of that. We're also going to talk about and relate to you what the president had to say about the election results last night while he was returning from his... um, outing (laughs) to Europe and the UK in which he just did a smashing, smashing good job letting everybody over there know how much money he's going to spend for all of the far-left causes that the sycophants in the world that spend billions of dollars every year on themselves gathered together to hear this president say what he's going to make all of us give for all of their leftist causes. It's interesting what he has to say. Also, we're going to we're going to tune in and listen to what some of the mainstream corporate media sycophants had to say about the election results, especially those in Virginia and the pending final results in New Jersey. All of that and a whole lot more, of course, if you want to weigh in at any time during the show to talk about what we are talking about at that moment, or to give us something else to consider, please call. Feel free. This is your show. Toll-free 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Where do we start today? Oh, my goodness. There are so many different things to tell you about. Um, Businessman Glenn Youngkin. We'll start here. He was declared the winner early last night, uh, late last night and early this morning in Virginia's closely watched gubernatorial race, and he beat longtime hardcore far-left Democrat leader in the political party and two-time governor of Virginia already, Terry McAuliffe. He was a heavyweight. He was a big favorite going into this, but guess what happened? As McAuliffe weighed into his campaigning, in person, going around the state, and Virginians heard from his own mouth the policies that he was espousing, some of them much further left than he had ever supported when he was governor in either term. Uh, They began to look at Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, a businessman, kind of like, you know, that guy that was in the White House for four years, not a politician, a businessman. And they liked what Glenn Youngkin had to say. So addressing uh, some really happy supporters at his headquarters in Chantilly, Virginia, after one o'clock this morning, Yunkin celebrated the comfort behind upset victory of a campaign that came from nowhere and turned into 
of movement. Now remember this, although former President Donald Trump endorsed Yunkin, Yunkin never tied himself directly to Trump. He did not bring Trump into Virginia to campaign for him or with him, and there's a lot of uh, speculation about that. But I think the two are fine. I can tell you, I, I can tell you, and I'm not a seer, I'm not a, a prophet, but I will tell you what I think that was all about. Big chunk of Virginians weren't especially fond of Donald Trump as president. Remember, the southern part of Virginia is actually, excuse me, the northern part of Virginia is actually the southern part of Washington, D.C. Many people that are directly involved in government and in politics live in northern Virginia. I have friends that live in northern Virginia. To be honest with you, they're not directly tied to anything to do with the government, but I have friends that are there that do have. And uh, most of those people are left-leaning at least, if not hardcore Democrats. So so I I think Yunkin probably had a conversation, if not with former President Trump, with somebody in his organization and said, hey, look, Here's what the experts up here think we should do. We supported Donald Trump when he ran. And if he runs, we're going to support him again. But right now for this state, we think it would be better for the people of Virginia if President Trump didn't come here. And if we did not hook up, this is Yunkin talking about him hooking up on the campaign trail personally with Donald Trump, because what it would do, you would, you would, You would have a lot of support among former MAGA supporters and other conservatives that are just sick and tired of what was going on in Virginia. You certainly would have that. But you might end up in a situation, as did Terry McAuliffe. Now, what is that, Dan? Well, he brought in former President Barack Obama, and Barack Obama on the campaign trail with McAuliffe, what he did was galvanized conservatives and that very necessary segment of the voting population, independence. He galvanized them against McAuliffe, who represented and still represents the mainstream bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. It's interesting. He also brought in the president. Joe Biden went there. He did pretty much just the same thing that Obama did. And then Vice President Kamala Harris went in and she did squat. It was like nobody knew she was there. Actually, nobody cared that she was there is a better thing to say. So Youngkin, when he um, when he gave his speech early this morning, he highlighted the education issue in Virginia that everybody knows for certain now helped propel him to that victory. He said this, we're going to introduce choice within our public school system. Think about that now. If you're a parent, I don't care what state, but if you're a parent and an incoming governor says, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give parents of children, all children, a choice of where their child is educated. Now, that seems like no big deal until you go to the dollars involved. And what are you talking about there? Pure school choice includes parents and students having the right, the unfettered white, to go to school any place they want to go to school. That's a freedom thing. 
But there's one more step that's really important. The public school education is funded by, guess what? Taxpayer dollars. Virginia's public school system is funded by Virginians' taxpayer dollars. So why shouldn't parents in Virginia that pay income taxes, pay sell taxes, why shouldn't they have the exact same monetary uh, support for them, for their kids? After all, they're paying taxes. Same taxes that people that uh, want their kids to go to ordinary public schools. Why shouldn't the parents that want to pull their kids out of public schools and put them in private schools and charter schools where they feel like their kids can get a better better education and uh, uh, an education that is more mainstream right down the line, conservative. It's not leaning far, far left like we were shown that Virginia's public school system policies and curriculum are and are getting further and further to the left. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that rolls out. But Yunkin is going into office fully supporting that. We're going to embrace our parents and not ignore them, he said. So Republicans also were projected to win the attorney general and lieutenant governor races there. And it's been announced those two people running for lieutenant general and uh, attorney general, lieutenant governor and attorney general, those two become the first Hispanic and African-Americans to capture those two offices in Virginia history. Yunkin is the former Carlisle Group CEO. That's a hedge fund, a big one. Performed extremely well with suburban, independent, and those Trump voters, according to some exit polls. McAuliffe, however, he saw a big drop in support from minorities and even young voters that were a key to Joe Biden's big victory in Virginia just a year ago. McAuliffe talked to his supporters earlier last night, and he implored them to keep counting the votes. I want to thank all of you for what you have meant to us, he said. Let's go on forward. But guess what happened? A couple hours later, CNN, Fox News, and NBC News were among those to call the race for Youngkin and the Republican slate of candidates, Lieutenant Governor and Attorney General. The majority of Virginia voters indicated they disapproved of Biden's job performance. CNN also found that a narrow majority of voters say that the Democrat Party is too liberal overall. Fewer call the Republicans Party too conservative. That is a definite swing in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Because remember, it has been and still is a very blue state, not even purple. It's very Democratic. Former President Trump, who held a tele-rally in support of Yunkin on the night before the election, he released a statement yesterday evening praising the outcome. It's looking like Terry McAuliffe's campaign against a certain person named Trump has very much helped Glenn Yunkin, Trump said. All McAuliffe did was talk Trump, 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 and he lost. What does that tell you, fake news? He continued, he said, I guess people running for office as Democrats won't be doing that too much longer. (laughs) I didn't even have to go rally for Yunkin because McAuliffe did it for me. Thank you to the MAGA voters for turning out big. You knew he had to 
throw in a jab or two there. Well, that wasn't the only race going on yesterday. Only big race that everybody was watching very closely around the nation had a big one over in New Jersey, and it remains even this morning too close to call. It's a first-term Democrat, Phil Murphy, that is governor, and he was running for governor. He was way, way ahead in the polls, and just as happened not far away in Virginia, things began to slip over the last couple of weeks when voters seemed to be more engaged in all of the things that people that live across our nation are experiencing much of which the bad stuff especially are coming out of state governments as well as the Biden administration. Murphy's challenger, the Republican, Jack Citarelli, created a much tighter than expected vote count as Republican candidates showed some really feats of strength last night in tickets in several states, not just Virginia and not just New Jersey. We sent a message to the entire country. This is Citarelli, the Republican that still hasn't been uh, chosen as the leader or the winner of that uh, gubernatorial race in New Jersey. He said every single time it's gone too far off track, talking about the country, talking about New Jersey, the people of this state have pushed, pulled, and prodded it right back to where it needs to be. Both candidates last night told their election night party crowds the results would not be clear until all provisional and vote-by-mail ballots were counted. At 4 a.m. today, the candidates remained in a dead heat with about 12% of votes still to be counted. We're all sorry that tonight could not yet be the celebration we wanted it to be, the incumbent Murphy said. When every vote is counted, every vote will be counted. We hope to have a celebration again. So looking back at some of the stuff that came out of that Virginia race. 64% of Virginia voters say that they believe the country is headed in the wrong direction. According to a voter analysis survey, 64% of voters believe the country's going the wrong way compared to 36% who believe things are Okay, headed in the right direction. Of those 64% who voiced their concern, 73% voted for the Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. 91% of voters who said the country's headed the right way voted for Terry McAuliffe. The most important issue to Virginia voters is the economy and jobs, 35%. COVID-19 was the second most important issue at 17%. Education was third, 14%. On top of that, 54% of voters say they disapprove of the way this president has handled the economy. 52% of Biden's job performance overall. Of the 54% of voters who disapproved of Biden's handling of the economy, 15% voted for McAuliffe. 85% voted for Yunkin. That's interesting. We're going to have over the next few days and weeks, we're going to have a bunch of information, hidden nuggets that are found in uh, election results and exit polling stuff that we'll be bringing to you. This is being watched very closely, as you can imagine, because we're, we're actually, one day today, we're one day shy of exactly a year 
and we'll have midterm elections. And there, there's a lot of uh, stuff that's going to happen between now and then, but everybody was looking at this election as maybe the results would portend what the results are going to look like in November next year, our midterms. We may have gotten a, a glimpse of that in another race that was going on yesterday. There was a win in Ohio. Republicans celebrated the Trump-endorsed representative-elect Mike Carey's major win in Ohio's 15th congressional district after he faced off against State Representative Allison Russo, who's a Democrat, that Joe Biden endorsed in a last-ditch effort to save her from a Republican defeat last night. At 9.31 p.m., NBC, the first to project that Kerry would win the race, The results came as no surprise, though. The Cook Report's partisan voter index from 2020 marked the district as a Republican plus nine, meaning there are 9% more Republicans in the district than any other party. Additionally, two years ago, former Representative Steve Stiver, a Republican who stepped down earlier this year to become the president and CEO of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, won the congressional district with 63% of the vote. Trump endorsed Kerry. He released a statement saying, Congratulations to Mike Kerry on a fantastic victory in Ohio. I'm very proud to have endorsed him early and strong. He'll be a great congressman. So what that means, folks, Nancy Pelosi has got one more Republican to be concerned about in her most Closely split Congress in congressional history. No party has ever had the slim majority as does Nancy Pelosi. And last night, the Republicans picked up one more of those seats that Pelosi couldn't afford to to lose because she struggles now with almost every piece of legislation. And there are a couple of biggies that are still out there. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Let me ask you this. Did you um, did you tune in and watch it, or you were glued to the World Series last night? I, I flipped back and forth. I was at a birthday party. Um, our youngest daughter, Corey, you've heard me talk a lot about both of our girls, Kimby and Corey, and some of the struggles and challenges that they've gone through. Corey is an amazingly resilient young woman. She's 45 now, so she's not a baby anymore, even though she's our baby girl. Nevertheless, we had a party there and obviously was involved in that, but I kept one eye on uh, the World Series while it was going on, and every 10 or 15 minutes, I'd grab the phone and get updates on the election results. And um, it was interesting to watch how the media were processing what was going on throughout the night. As you can imagine... The likes of the far left, CNN, MSNBC, even NBC and CBS and ABC News. It was was uncanny. It wasn't unexpected if the voting results went the way that they went. I thought about it, how these folks were going to react. And of course, basically it boils down to this one thing in unison. Their feeling is the sky is falling. (laughs) The sky is falling. And so... um, 
I couldn't wait till early, early this morning. You know, the real early Fox News stuff, the overnights, where they get the first glimpse of news to their viewers really, really early in the morning. Joe Concha was on there. He's a contributing uh, a Fox News contributor that I like to see every once in a while. And he, along with the Fox anchors, sat down and they kind of analyzed and they actually put in their show several snippets from mainstream media that basically were running around their studio when the results were coming in with their hair on fire. Here's Joe Concha and gang. And of course, some glimpses at MSNBC and CNN and how they acted last night. Vice President Kamala Harris saying last week the Virginia race would predict the outcomes in 2022 and 2024. And if that is the case, the Democrats could be looking at a tough road ahead, to say the least. She said it. She said it, not us. And even the New York we Times is saying this, admitting in a tweet that Terry McAuliffe's loss in Virginia, quote, darkens Democrats' outlook for the 2022 midterms. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor joins us live in studio. Good morning to you, Joe. Wow. With that tweet in mind, media reaction, take it away. Media reaction. Where to begin? Uh, I was at a funeral last night, so if I seem a little groggy-eyed, I was watching MSNBC and CNN, and it was truly... It's a joke. A funeral. Really thought you were at an actual funeral for somebody who died. But right, right. Uh, well played. Van Jones, who I usually like, compared Glenn Youngkin to the Delta variant as far as COVID is concerned. And he said that basically that Youngkin is a Delta variant of you Trump. You actually have that sound. Let's take a listen to what you're talking about. Yeah, let's see it. When this election is over in Virginia, we will know, have we seen the emergence of the Delta variant of Trumpism? The Delta variant of Trumpism. In other words, Youngkin... Uh, same disease, but spreads a lot faster and can get a lot more places. Wow. The same disease. I thought Youngkin kind of ran as a guy who wanted to fix education, who wants to fix the economy, who ran on the issues. Instead, we get that nonsense from a low-rated network. You think they're rating low now. Just wait till you see how depressed that audience is moving forward. MSNBC, I don't even want to repeat some of the things that were said on there, but basically you had Joy Reid, who's a conspiracy theorist, right? Makes Alex Jones look sane. She's named as a co-anchor last night to give you objective analysis. No, not, not exactly. She said that Republicans were dangerous and, again, compared them to terrorists. So you want media reaction and cable news. That's what I got to watch last night. Fun, fun. Yeah. But overall, a couple of takeaways last night. This is obviously a political earthquake. What's going on in my state in New Jersey, regardless if, if Jack Citarelli wins, even if he loses by a point, that's a state that Joe Biden won by 16 She's points. So You're giving away 15 points in 10 months. That's amazing. And he still could win, by the way. Uh, look, Terry McAuliffe is a horrible candidate. That's another, uh, I'll just go to my notes here. He's also a recycled one. Sequels, as you know, Todd. Movies, candidates never do well. Glenn Youngkin ran a perfect campaign. Again, because he focused on the issues and he won without Donald Trump ever entering the state. If I'm Ron DeSantis and I'm watching this right now, I say, hmm, maybe I can pursue the right. 2024 nomination without Un- even Unless Glenn runs. Youngkin decides he's going to say, yeah, maybe I'll run I'm hearing that a lot Isn't more. Isn't it so funny how it's it's it, we're looking at right. the Virginia race, we're already talking about We've the presidential election. Yeah. That's what we do in this business. <laughs> Let me broaden this out. And obviously you don't want to 
pontificate on to 2024. But I'm curious as to which way you think the media will go. Will they go the Joy Reid, Van Jones route that, quite frankly, all the guarantees the Republicans will take the House and Senate in 2022? Or do they go the New York Times route and sort of force the Democratic Party to say, look, we need to focus on the suburban soccer mom and the suburban soccer dad, because if you give them what they want, they will decide the election in your favor. Based on what we've seen in those newsrooms lately, as far as if you even have a dissenting opinion, you get eliminated. Remember the New York Times? They printed an op-ed from Tom Cotton saying, maybe we should use the National Guard when protests get violent. And the editor got ousted yeah. for even printing that. So you got to wonder who's running the show at those places at this point. But I did write about this two weeks ago. Joe Biden and the media, I guess, to your, your point, Todd, needs to do the pivot that Bill Clinton did in 1994 after he took an absolute shellacking. Newt Gingrich takes back the House. He pivoted back to the He ended the welfare state. He said big government is over, as we know. Can you imagine a Democrat saying that now? Biden media has to do that, saying, look, guys, you're gone way too far to the left. You have to compromise with this evil other party that you keep saying is evil. If you want to win elections, you want to bring viewers back. Totally, if President Biden does that with the social spending bill. That's the other big thing that we're looking out for today because of Glenn Youngkin's win. That could change it all. Of course, those were the big races last night, the two biggies, New Jersey Governor and Virginia governor, and as we've told you, and as if everybody has kind of now admitted, in Virginia, it looks like a slam dunk for Glenn Youngkin, the Republican. Chris Murphy, the uh, incumbent governor over in New Jersey, another very wealthy Wall Street guy, uh, very hardcore. Nobody mentioned this last night, but I believe he's struggling and he may lose his position as governor not based on things that he said during the campaign to the public or things that he's done in his first term as governor, but on what was said in his campaign offices, quoting him and things that were leaked to the press. And the big one, I think, that tainted the water against him very, very dramatically was apparently he has been quoted by a couple of unnamed but very... uh, legitimate, well-connected sources to have maintained. He was not, during the campaign, going to talk about New Jersey vaccine mandates. But if he wins re-election, he is going to totally turn New Jersey into a mandatory mandatory COVID-19 vaccine state where everybody, not just government employees, not just military uh, military members, but everybody in the state of New Jersey, would be required to be vaccinated to be able to do anything. When that leaked out, gosh, there were a lot of people that said, absolutely not, no way. And here's what I don't understand. I I know, and I tell you all the time, members of the Democrat Party, especially the leaders, are very smart people. Nothing they do, it seems, is accidental. They very seldom fly by the seat of their pants. They have amazingly intricate and exhaustive plans for everything. And when you put the way they operate within their party compared that to the GOP, you find out that Democrats are much more in the tank for their party and party issues and everybody that's running than are the Republicans. Why is that? To be quite honest with you, Republicans are conservative. The Republican philosophy is smaller government less power in government, and more power to the people, which means the ability and the necessity almost for individuals to maintain 
how they feel about all of the issues in life and that everybody's opinion is accepted. In other words, not like Democrats where you can talk and everybody says one thing, the same thing about every issue. That works for Democrats in some cases because it's mob rule. And of course, they have the mainstream media, so their mob rule has a all-in-all and all-for-one, the Democrat Party hard-left philosophies that are spouting the same venom as are the politicians themselves. But guess what's happened, folks? The giant has awakened. The United States populace has awakened out of COVID-19 pandemic lockdown and slumber and are finally realizing there may be some truth to what we are watching play out now. It may not be a conspiracy theory. It may be that this government, the Joe Biden government and whoever his handlers are behind the scenes, and there are handlers of Joe Biden behind the scenes. There's no question about it. We still don't know who. We have some educated guesses, and we've shared those with you. And also, other experts we've had on the show live share some of the same opinions that run through the gamut of all of the Obama crew when they were in the Oval Office. If they're not the handlers, they're way, 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 it's a short list and they're on that short list of who that might be. And we're going to watch and see how the roaches respond now that the light's been turned on and the American people are seeing there really are roaches in the kitchen. What are we going to do about it? And folks, we have one year, one day, less than one year to change the face of Congress. It's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. And I got to be honest with you right now, the deck is stacked against Biden. The deck is stacked against incumbent Democrats in the U S Congress. And there's still more election results out there that we're going to get to. Uh, And when we come back, we're going to dig further into some of the stuff we heard in the media overnight. Maybe a glimmer of things to come. Don't go anywhere. This is going to be a fun hour and a half now. Back after this at TNN Live. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. 
Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old six aged cheddar, chedder right onto the, the shell of a chalupa. Best genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, ah, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks, excludes freezes. CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. The alphabet soup of far-left media sycophants last night. Their heads were spinning. They were spewing green puke. They were so upset what they watched play out. They were fearful. You could tell in the run-up to these elections. They weren't just all happy and glad. They were expected. You could sense it in the air. Americans are not pleased with what we are living through now coming from our government. It just, too many things don't make any make any sense. How can the President of the United States have a, an administration full of people that include him that all think it's okay to just thumb your nose at any federal law, every federal law that you want to ignore, in spite of the fact that Joe Biden said numerous times in his 40 years in D.C., the Constitution is the framework for the representative republic, the democracy in which the U.S. was established to be and has been, and the rule of law is the difference between our government and every government for every other country on planet Earth. The rule of law. And yet, this commander-in-chief, this president of the United States, the number one administrative guy in the nation and the strongest leader of any nation on Earth, any president of the United States holds that position. This guy, he's messing up from top to bottom, and Americans are noticing it. There are so many other things that are part of it that we're not talking about today. We could talk about, for two hours, everything else and not even mention the elections and the reasons why the results are looking the way they are. But folks, what we saw happen yesterday in Virginia, in New Jersey, in Ohio, and by the way, in Minneapolis, we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes, that pretends not a red wave next year in the midterms, but a bloodbath. I mean, seriously, if we have free and fair elections across the board November the 2nd next year, we could have a House of Representatives with 80% of Republicans. That means a bunch of Democrats would have to be replaced. And every one of them, if you are a member of the United States Congress, you run for re-election every year. Two years is all their terms last. And so this is not a very safe time under this administration, under this economy, under the way the pandemic on the back end is being handled as compared to the way it was handled on the front end by Donald Trump. Americans in mass, they don't like what's happening, folks. They really don't. I mentioned Minnesota 
you probably didn't know about this. But voters up in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, have rejected what would have been an unprecedented move to dismantle their police department. They were planning on doing this. You know, they were the first ones to defund the police, defund the police. We want to do away with the cops. And they actually had that on their voting measure. It was soundly defeated. 57 to 44%. Think about that. 13%. Thank God, Minnesotans, thank God that Minneapolisans realized that you got to have the rule of law enforced. And that takes police. And let me just say this one more time. Every cop is a human. Now, what does that mean? Well, every human makes errors, makes mistakes. Hopefully, the errors that any and all of our public officials make are not life-threatening. They don't end jobs. They don't end lives of people. Sometimes cops make mistakes. But it's crazy to think that if you have a police force that has officers within it that make mistakes, and they make the same mistakes again and again, it doesn't matter if it's a matter of race, if it's a matter of uh, superiority, if it's a matter of, hey, I carry a gun and I'm going to use my gun more than anybody else. Those things, they do matter, but in the big picture, they don't. You've got to have somebody to enforce the laws, and you need to be upfront, honest with yourself and those that you interact with. you got to be honest and say, there's got to be somebody willing to go the distance if it's necessary to save the lives of Minnesota's citizens. I just can't imagine having any public leaders at any level, from the U.S. Congress, the White House on down, that think it's okay to not enforce the rule of law and to not have the law enforcement people in place to do just that. And that means everything from shoplifting all the way up to multiple first-degree murders. Who's going to do any of that if there's not a police force? 57 to 44% voters in Minneapolis voted that down. I kind of trembled a little bit in the voting booth today because I live in one of the neighborhoods most impacted by crime and violence And I knew the correlation between the lack of policing and good policing. That was Sandra Samuels, who's a Minneapolis resident, who sued over this bill that voters voted on last night. We can have reform, and we can have enough police to keep our children and our elderly Americans safe. So this was a big win for the citizens of Minneapolis. She said she's lost four neighbors to gun violence. Several others are putting homes up for sale. The ballot question would have, essentially what it would have done is remove power from the mayor and police chief in an effort to what they call reimagine policing amid fraught relationships between law enforcement and minority communities nationwide. Tuesday's vote came as Minneapolis is experiencing an uptick in violence crimes similar to other cities. Now, according to the language on the ballot of this bill, the public safety department would have employed what they called a, quote, comprehensive public health approach to policing. 
Specifically, that meant putting a greater emphasis on mental health. Now, I knew that all the way through this, and I've actually talked to some people, some experts on the matter, some law enforcement people, and I wanted to get the idea of what they were imagining how this would be structured. You know, 911, major city 911, it's 24-7, it's nonstop. There are all kinds of incidents being called in 24-7, and it's incredible how many of those calls that come in end up being something other than what the caller says. Nobody talks about this. They didn't put up any 911 operators to ask questions of and get answers about the kinds of calls they get. They just assume because, hey, they're elitist. They were elected, those city council members. They were elected by the people to represent them, so that means Whatever we think, that's the way it really is, and we're going to make decisions based on that. Facts obviously don't matter in a lot of cases when local and state and federal officials get involved in the lawmaking process and the structure of governments. Novel thought, right? Just because they think something's right doesn't mean it's right, and just because they think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. I guarantee you not a one of those people on the council that a year ago when George Floyd, year and a half ago when George Floyd was murdered, horribly murdered on the streets and live television view of millions of Americans by four cops that were involved in it. A horrible situation. I think every American that looked in, if they were objective, would say, That does not, what happened does not speak to the entire Minneapolis police force and who they are and how they operate. No question about it. You've got a couple of rogue cops there that needed to be handled and needed to be kicked out. Look, if you have enough chutzpah to interview, ask all kinds of stuff, to dig into a person's background, sufficient for you to make them a police chief, sufficient for you to make them a mayor, don't you think you ought to at least listen to those experts? You know, one of the stupidest thing anybody does is when they get to a certain age or they get a certain position in a company, a title or whatever you want to call it, or they get a big pay raise, all of a sudden they think they are something special. And in many cases, they feel like they're better than other people that aren't at those quote-unquote levels. Just because you make good decisions, sufficient for you to get promotions and get pay raises and even to get jobs, it doesn't mean you know everything about everything. It means in the wake of your life there are noticeable positives that you have instigated by decisions and choices you've made and others decisions and choices you have not made because they were bad. That doesn't mean you have God ability to infer everything you think upon those who you're managing or you're over. And that goes from top to bottom folks smart thing to do is not blow it up law enforcement 
But the smart thing to do is very aggressively, very diligently, and very quickly find the bad apples at every level in law enforcement. doesn't matter if it's the FBI. It doesn't matter if it's a justice of the peace at the local level. It doesn't matter. In that daisy chain of responsibility, there's a bunch of liability. And the liability for all of that and things and bad decisions they make fall on the citizens of that borough, that city, and that state. We need to have an environment in which there is constant weeding out, identifying those. And I'm not talking about witch hunt. I'm not talking about somebody having the authority to just go slaughter the people that they think are bad or that they have a grudge against. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real leaders finding processes, refining, revising those processes to make them very fair very intrusive to get facts with which these leaders can make decisions, not what's best for the people in those positions, but what's best for the people they represent, that they are protecting in law enforcement. Everything that's done in law enforcement, every decision that's made should be made in that scenario and for those reasons. That's just the way it is, folks. Anything other than that is wrong, and it will not work. Before we move on, I think it's very noteworthy to mention, did you notice if you were watching last night, CNN, MSNBC, even ABC, NBC, and CBS News, they all made projections in the Virginia gubernatorial race an hour and a half before guess who made theirs? Fox News. Now, why do you think that was? I got to be honest with you. I think Bill Hemmer is the very best anchor, reporter at any level on any network when it comes to news. He has the ability to break things down, break states down, break down towns and cities within states and jurisdictions in congressional and presidential races better than anybody I've ever seen. And Hemmer Last night, he was, you know, he, he was in there on that board where he points here and points there and he gives us numbers and he looks in this county, looks in that city, and he makes assumptions from the numbers that he's seeing. And he's really on target almost all the time. But because of what happened to Fox in 2020, if you remember, they got in so much trouble because they were the first network to call the state of Arizona as a Biden victory long before anybody else did it. And if you remember, it was a long time, not hours, it was days before it was finally confirmed that Arizona went to Biden by a hair, just a hair. And so I guess obviously for that reason, they got so much pushback. They lost advertisers, advertising revenue over that very early call because it was apparent to a lot of people still as those numbers were coming in, that was not. That was not a call that Fox News should have made. I thought that was very interesting. Another guy that I, I kind of watch and listen for in any election cycle, and that's former Obama advisor David Axelrod. You know who he is. Very uh, arrogant, very haughty, wears the big glasses. He actually has a, a podcast, a political podcast. I think he lives in Chicago, and he does it up there, but in many respects, since Obama 
left office. He's kind of been vacant. Well, yesterday he weighed in. And here's what he said. And he was on CNN last night. If you're a Democrat sitting on Capitol Hill, and if you're from one of those swing districts in suburban areas, are you rethinking your vote on Joe Biden's socialist spending plan? Think about that. The results of those races, especially the congressional race in Ohio, the gubernatorial race in New Jersey and Virginia, those are going to weigh heavy on everybody in the United States Congress because these races were the ones that they all said, we got to point to that. We got to watch everything to do with these races because they're going to pretend results for the 2022 midterms. And one of the two biggest issues on the table right now regarding legislation that are before Congress, you know what they are, the massive one and a half trillion, a little bit more than that, I think one seven five trillion infrastructure bill and the build back better thing. Is that what it's called? It's the budget reconciliation bill, the two and a half trillion dollar bill. By the way, those are the two, the two biggest spending pieces of legislation in U.S. history. And they've got enough votes kind of on the edge to get them passed, both of them passed in the House of Representatives. Senate, that's another story. But even now, what you just heard Axelrod question, that's going to be on the hearts and minds of a lot of these young members of the United States Congress that ran and won as Democrats, and they've been all in for these big spending bills. And looking at what happened in Virginia and New Jersey and thinking, maybe I want a future or maybe I want to stay up here in D.C. and continue to serve. And to do that, you've got to tune in to the voters in your respective district. And around the nation, there are a lot of places that compare very favorably to Virginia and New Jersey. And Congress members of Congress, the House, and the Senate in those areas around the nation are looking in and saying, voters are sending a message. What are voters in my district? What are voters in my state? What are they thinking? There might be, and Axelrod predicted it. He asked a question. He didn't come out and say, I think it's going to happen. Here's what he said, actually. One of the questions I have is, if you're a Democrat sitting on Capitol Hill, You're from one of these swing districts in suburban areas. Are you tonight rethinking your vote on this reconciliation package? Are you thinking maybe it's best we shouldn't do it? And Axelrod continued saying, if I were sitting in the White House, if I were sitting in the leadership of the Democratic councils in the Congress, I'd be worried about that. I'd be trying to firm these people up because that's going to be, there's going to be, I just know how this goes. I've experienced it. I know when things go badly, people begin to think of themselves. That's the best line of the night. I know when things go badly, people begin to think of themselves. Wow. All of this last night. Now, Joe Biden was on Air Force One coming back from Europe. 
On Air Force One, I probably don't need to tell you, they have all kind of television and they have monitors in his office on Air Force One. They can watch every network simultaneously on satellite TV. He watched as all of this played out. What did he have to say about it? That's a good question. We're going to get into that next. Don't go away. There's a lot more we're going to get into today. It was a busy night. It's a busy day at TNN Live. I've got this long music pad. Maybe I should. (laughs) That's what happens when you push the wrong button in the studio when you're going to break. This is called a bump out. And it's a lead up with a pad for me to talk over until we get to the part where the great voice of Pete Moss weighs in. And here's what Pete says. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? Amanda! But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita. What them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Here it's smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now.
funniest commercial I've heard in a long time. And I love that delayed tagline that's repeated again and again. Somebody says something, yada, 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 yada. And then there's a pause. And then he says, I don't know about that. (laughs) How many of us live in that world where we either ourselves or we have people to which that applies? I mean, all of us do. There's no question about it. All of us do. So Joe Biden, I mean, he's got to really be upset about Chris Murphy being there. Hadn't been defeated yet officially, but doesn't look good for Chris Murphy, the governor, running again for re-election in New Jersey. And then in Virginia, of course, that one's pretty much done. So Biden returned from his trip to Europe. He went to Europe, went to Scotland in the UK. Um, He went to Italy. He just had a nice little trip. And he had a drink with uh, the post, the Pope. Had some wine, communion. I'm just joking. When he got back from Europe early, early, early this morning, he didn't have much to say after his party lost in the blue state of Virginia and margins really looked tight in New Jersey and right now the Republicans up there. He didn't speak to reporters after getting off Air Force One at 1.06 this morning, just hours after he predicted a former Terry McAuliffe was going to win. We're going to win, Biden boasted to reporters in Glasgow, Scotland after the climate summit there. That was just five hours before media outlets began calling the race for Republicans in Virginia. I think we're going to win in Virginia, he said. But Biden landed at Andrews as Virginia Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin took to the stage in the early morning to declare victory over the Democrats in that very, very blue state. Biden was also silent as he got to the White House at 1.38 a.m. as reporters shouted questions about the election results. So here's the thing that's really got to weigh heavy on Joe. This happened despite campaigning twice for now-failed candidate Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. And Biden tried to stress when he was in Glasgow that a defeat for McAuliffe would not inhibit his ambitious leftist agenda. I've not seen any evidence that whether or not I am doing well or poorly, whether or not I've got my agenda passed or not, is going to have any real impact on win or lose. Biden claimed that in a press conference before he left Glasgow. Elsewhere in his political circles, Democrats question Biden's embrace of the political leftist and the Democrat Party. Some in Biden land are already asking themselves if the president has allowed himself to be tugged too far to the left while he's been in office less than a year. And those voices are likely to even get louder now. That came from the New York Times. And I think it's interesting, today is Wednesday. There is nothing, nada, not a single line item on Joe Biden's official agenda today as he's now back in D.C. Maybe maybe Jill gave him his warm glass of milk last night and tucked him in for a long winter's nap. I don't know, but I got to be honest with you. A sitting president, especially after two really, really critical races like this in bellwether states like New Jersey and Virginia, he needs to be up telling the American people something. He needs to speak positive things because, folks, even though 
it looks like Democrats lost those two races. Democrats are still Americans. They're still Americans, and all of the same rules apply to them as do conservatives. I don't matter. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. The law is the law. Social mores are the same for everybody of any political ilk. And he said himself numerous times, if he won the election in 2020, Joe Biden did not want to be a president for the Democrats in the nation. He wanted to be the president for everybody in the nation. That means, folks, if he's sincere, if he really meant it, and he still does, a president needs to be out front, making everybody in this nation feel everything's okay with these elections. And nobody's expecting him to do the poor me thing. Oh, my gosh. The sky is falling. The sky. Nobody's expecting that. That's not what they do. What he needs to do is hold his chin up and get up there and say, hey, this is a kick in the knees. This is a temporary setback. We're going to be fine. Our legislation is great that's out there. It's good for the American people. It's what the American people in our nation need right now. No matter if you disagree with that. I mean, I don't agree with anything I I said quoting him, and it's not a formal quote. He hasn't said it yet, but in context, he says it every day. But here's the big thing that is missing with this president. Even though he told us over and over again, again in the campaign, the buck stops here. That means any mistake, anything that goes bad, Afghanistan, the buck stops here. But then when it's time for there to be accountability and explanations as part of accountability, what are you going to do? Who's going to be held responsible for all these bad things that happen? He doesn't want to have anything to do with that. He deflects to other people. It's a sign of poor leadership. It's a sign of not really wanting the job, wanting the title, but not wanting the accountability that goes along with being the CEO of a multi-trillion dollar organization, which we named the United States of America. Joe Biden is failing on many counts, and I'm not gloating at all. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you folks, I would have felt completely shocked if he did do good things as president because he promised during his entire campaign he was going to do exactly what he's doing, which is basically rip up every good thing that happened for us, middle-class Americans and even lower-class income Americans during his four years of beating up on Donald Trump with every other far leftist. He's torn everything up. He's done all the harm that he can possibly do in the name of freedom, justice, and liberty. And we know what's best for the American people. But Americans yesterday and Americans last night are saying, Mr. President, your ideals don't represent the majority of us. And we've given you some of the money, uh, some of the the numbers, some of the money. (laughs) That was probably a lot of money changed hands yesterday. Just say it. Um, We gave you the percentages early on, how Americans in those two states' elections, how they feel. And apparently elsewhere, over in Ohio, had a Republican beat a Democrat to take one seat 
in the U.S. House of Representatives away from the Democrat Party. And then, not in Congress, but at a local level, and on a very, very contentious public level about a very contentious public thing. A lady named Winsome Sears. Winsome Sears. Have you heard that name? Well, she won election last night. Winsome Sears. And she delivered a very patriotic speech as she claimed victory in her race to become the very first woman, and by the way, very first woman of color, to be elected Virginia's lieutenant governor. I'm telling you that what you are looking at is the American dream, she said during her victory speech. She's a Marine Corps veteran. She claimed victory in a speech early this morning was met by a crowd chanting, Winsome, Winsome, Winsome. When I joined the Marine Corps, she said, I was still a Jamaican. But this country had done so much for me. I was willing, willing to die for this country, she said. And then she led the boisterous crowd in a USA, USA chant. In case you haven't noticed, she said, I'm black. And I've been black all my life, but that's not what this is about. What we're going to do now is be about the business of this commonwealth. We have things to tend to. We're going to fully fund our historically black colleges and universities. We're going to have safer neighborhoods, safer communities, and our children are going to get good educations. Her Democrat opponent, State Hala Ayala. I don't, I've, I've never heard that name before. But her opponent in the lieutenant governor's race is not yet conceded. She immigrated to the U.S., Sears did, from Jamaica as a child, was the director of a Salvation Army homeless shelter prior to going into politics. She also owns an appliance and plumbing repair store in Virginia, previously served as vice president of the Virginia Board of Education. She served a single term in Virginia's House of Delegates from 2002 to 2004, and her 2021 run marks her return to politics. Some more about her. This is intriguing to me. She described her projected win as a God thing early this morning, saying she had a ragtag staff, very little money. She was outspent, outgunned, if you will. I'm trying to find the words because I'm still processing it, she said. Her supporters celebrated her expected win on social media with many sharing a viral photo of her holding an AR-15 rifle while she was at a shooting range earlier this year. Oh, I can only imagine (laughs) what everybody was saying when they saw that. Virginia also elected Republican gubernatorial candidate Glenn Youngkin as governor, and uh, that election was previously expected to swing in favor of former two-time Virginia governor and longtime heavyweight in the Democrat Party, Terry McAuliffe. It's interesting, folks. I mean, she is the epitome. If somebody wanted to put up on the wall a picture of who the American dream, who looks like what you would say is the American dream, you'd put her picture up there. Winsome. Why put her picture up there? She's black. 
she's black. <laughs> I guess maybe we're supposed to wait it, okay? She's back three times. She's black. But she's a woman. Been in the military. Been in government at lower levels. And she gets it. She gets it. She understands it. And she's not looking for, and never has been, a handout of any kind. But she's kin to, and very tuned in, to the needs of people of color, as she should be. Anybody in her position should be. But especially, it doesn't matter what position a politician is in. If they see people that are having issues that are not necessarily of their own doing, but government maybe, or other people, or the process to be willing to and wanting to change those and willing to pay a price. This is a woman that went to war for us. She carried a gun. She stood in front of uh, whoever is up against the American dream and the people that are within it. I mean, it's a perfect explanation of who you want in government working for and serving you. Nobody talks about this, but listen to what happened last night nationwide. Anti-critical race theory parents across the nation won school board victories. So Glenn Youngkin, when he beat out Terry McAuliffe for governor of Virginia, spurred excitement for future Republican wins. But the triumphs in local school board races hold really big special significance For those parents who've been fighting big battles against leftist tyranny and Marxist-based critical race theory, right there in their own towns and cities, small, big, it doesn't matter. It's all over the nation. And you've heard, you heard this morning right here, people were using critical race theory being taught in Virginia schools against Terry McAuliffe. Van Jones, everybody knows him on CNN. Van Jones even said, and critical race theory doesn't even exist certainly not being taught in Virginia schools. Right here, we gave you, two days ago, we gave you from the Virginia Department of Education paperwork the critical race theory of books that were affirmed to be in public schools, public high schools in Virginia. Critical race theory. But everybody's saying they, they're not existent. It's interesting what's what's happening. Parents have awakened. Ryan James Gurdusky's 1776 Project PAC has helped a number of candidates for local school boards win their elections. He and the PAC tweeted out victories. His first tweet says, My PAC won three school board elections in Virginia tonight against critical race theory. Congrats. To Mike Peterson, Becky Myers, Christy Williams, and Kaylee Winnegar. Another sweet congrats to Ivy Lou and Jamie Lynn Diabolo, who both won school board seats in Falcon District 49, El Paso, Colorado. Clean sweep in Academy District 20 in El Paso, Colorado. Congrats, Aaron Salt and Tom LaValle. Congrats, Angela Lima, who won in District 51 in Mesa. 
Colorado. We won three school board seats in the very blue Johnson County, Kansas tonight. Congrats to Katie Bowers in Blue Valley, as well as Robert Kuhn and Brian Cunnell, who won seats in Olath County. Congrats to our endorsed candidate in Andover, Kansas, Tim Brunson, who won a school board election. My PAC swept the Leavenworth County School Board, first of many. Congrats to all of you. I mean, over and over and over again. And there are more. Congrats to Sally Tong, our candidate endorsed in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, who won her school board seat. Congrats to Greg Young, Jessica Bradbury, and Marissa Ruggiero, three candidates we backed for school board in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. They all won. Another group, Perkman School Board in the very blue Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Congrats to Don Fountain, Rowan Keenan, Jason Saylor, and Jason Getters. Maureen Egan won her school board election in Alexandria School Board in Douglas County, Minnesota. Another in Minnesota, Matt Audette in Hennepin County. It just goes on and on and on and on. Grassroots election, which sucked the American populace on the local level into being involved, studying and researching, finding things, finding policies, getting the truth and getting the facts and just stepping up and taking responsibility, raising your hand and saying, hey, this is wrong. We can't let this stand. We're Americans. These are our kids. We don't need them hearing this drivel and seeing this drivel. We're paying teachers that in many cases, yeah, they may not make the money that they would like to make, and we think maybe they don't make enough money doing it, but they choose the careers, and they choose them, they tell us, because they want to help our kids grow up with the right education, equipped and prepared for everything they're going to face after they become adults. Those people need to know all the facts and be held accountable. If our school board members and our administrators are not holding anybody that's in their purview accountable for anything. Those changes have got to be made. Folks, these are our kids. I've got three 15-year-old grandchildren, two girls that are twins and one grandson, 15 years old, sophomores in high school. They need to right now be hearing all of the facts. And yeah, it's okay to put in context things with which we may disagree with politically. I'm a conservative. I'm not a Republican, but I'm a conservative. Um, And just because I don't agree with somebody doesn't mean that they don't have the right to present their ideas to anybody and everybody. It's one thing to present ideas, and it's another thing to make those ideas be accepted in curriculum that are being taught to our kids. We can't have that. That cannot stand, and we're not going to stand for it. And we're seeing just some of the instances that I shared with you where school board members, anti-critical race theory, school board members from around this nation. What states did I mention? Colorado, Kansas, Minnesota, these are good things because these people that are winning these seats are resonating. Their feelings, their thoughts, their commitments are resonating with the people, the voters in their own communities. And there the people are saying, 
We don't want our kids getting taught this junk. I mean, everything from transgender rights, um, talking about whiteness, and dividing our kids, even in classrooms, based upon color, I thought we got rid of all of that. I thought the civil rights movement back in the 50s and 60s, and that's gotten better. It's still not fixed, but it's gotten better progressively through the last few decades. I thought we were on the right path. Slowly but surely, erasing the horrors that go along identity politics when it's adopted in any community, in any type of setting. I thought we were moving way down that road toward getting rid of it, erasing those lines. And then here we find ourselves with the Democrats going behind us and redrafting the line and moving it and dividing us more and more and more, pointing only to our differences, never pointing out the things on which we agree. It's a tough thing to swallow, folks. It's a big pill for us to swallow, but things are not good in the nation in pretty much every sector. And it's not just one or two. It's not just the economy. It's across the board. And thankfully, last night, we saw a move in the right direction where Americans are saying enough is enough. We're going to enforce things and make sure it's done right. Make sure the people's voice is the voice that counts, that we have government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And yesterday, New Jersey, Virginia, and school board meetings around the country, just the beginning of this. We're looking ahead now to November of next year. I'm predicting a red wave. I don't even know if this administration is going to last that long. I can't imagine how it could not just implode dramatically over the next 60 to 90 days. I really can't. I did not think, I'll be honest with you, I said this on this show uh, back in February. I said it would not surprise me in two months or so if one early morning Jill Biden didn't pick up the phone and call Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and say, hey guys, a change is coming for medical reasons. Joe's going to have to step down as president. It wouldn't surprise me to hear that happen anytime now. And you think it's bad now? Oh my gosh. A president, Kamala Harris, with her personality, her grasp on governing, her understanding of right and wrong in the world of politics, at least those that we've seen, I would call that the perfect storm. Let's pray we don't live through that, right? Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I wasn't not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Oh, yeah. Who's us? Supermodels. What do you model? Gloves? 
What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these days. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. We don't have an exclusive on facts or the truth. We don't. We really don't. But what we found out is purposely many factual things, many pieces of evidence that confirm or rebut the validity of anything. They're really hard to find, and it's primarily because they're being hidden by people that don't want us to know. And that shouldn't shock any of us. Historically, that happens around the world, especially in totalitarian areas. We don't live in a totalitarianism. No, we don't, and we don't want to. We don't want to go down that path, even though this administration has us at the top of the path, maybe a few steps down that path toward totalitarianism. God help us. God help us. Here's something the Biden administration, Joe, doesn't want you to know about. The Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas is where they calculate the so-called TriMed mean inflation. It rose, reported overnight, at an annual rate of 5.1% in September. That's the fastest monthly pace of price acceleration in 31 years. Dallas TriMed mean inflation measures inflation by removing the most volatile price movements up and down from the personal consumption expenditure price index that's compiled by the Department of Commerce every month. This metric, sometimes called the central tendency stat measure, is thought to produce a less noisy indicator that is better at producing future inflation then the more inclusive price index. Like, you know, the big thing is the up and down price, the volatile price of gasoline at the pump. So they take that spike out of their considerations as being, you know, maybe that's going to happen, but it's not going to be a constant. And then they look at the rest of it. On a 12-month basis, inflation jumped from 2.0 a month ago to 2.3 in September. That's a large move in a metric that's non-volatile by design, and that's the highest level since 2008. So the jump in underlying inflation is the latest piece of evidence indicating that Fed Chair Jerome Powell and, of course, the Biden administration were off base when they predicted inflation would be, and I'm quoting Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen when I say 
what she said it is, inflation today, is transitory. Powell and administration officials this summer argued that inflation was concentrated in just a couple of categories that are experiencing supply bottlenecks or surging demand, like durable goods and used cars. Once demand normalizes and bottlenecks clear up, inflation's going to fall. So Powell at one of those hard leftist elitist get-togethers in Jackson Hole, Wyoming in August, Powell, Fed chair, specifically pointed to trimmed mean inflation as evidence that underlying inflation isn't as strong as the headlines say. He said, we consult a range of measures meant to capture whether price increases for particular items are spilling over into broad-based inflation. These include trimmed mean measures and measures excluding durables and computed from just before the pandemic. These measures generally show inflation at or close to our 2% longer run objective. We would be concerned at signs that inflationary pressures were spreading more broadly through the economy. Now, let me just put this in perspective as an everyday American. Entrepreneur, business owner, 68-year-old guy, three kids, six grandkids. You know, I think I get a pretty good cross-section view of a lot of things. I may not have the full spectrum in my life, but I have a bunch. And I've got a bunch of people in my life that are different from me. And I look at their lives and I look at their challenges. And we all, because of circumstances, um, we all live in different challenges that we face. But we face them and we overcome them. Economical challenges are some of the toughest. And I get that and I watch that. But let me tell you this, not being an economist, an economist, which I'm not in any way, I'm just a regular American man, and I live with my own set of challenges, many of which are unique from yours, and yours from mine. That's just the way life goes. We don't share everything, but we have common challenges. As an example, I go to the gas pump and fill up my car. You do too. We go to the grocery store and buy food to eat and the necessities in that area. You do too. We pay for where we live. You do too. We pay taxes. You do too. We share all of these common things. And so, as Jerome Powell said and Janet Yellen confirmed, it's not transitory. There are most things that an American here feels and lives with Americans in other states, other parts of the country, in most part, in great part, experience the same challenges. You don't have to be an economist. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to look and see when things economically are good and when they're bad. Just compare the things that are not unique to you that you share with most or every other American, like those things we just mentioned and other things. If you're a young family and you have young children and you have maybe one, maybe two people in the household are working, you're facing health care for children, child care issues that I don't experience. You may have specific health problems that you're dealing with for yourself or a family member that I may not have. 
just because I'm not experiencing the exact same things in the exact same ways as you doesn't mean I can't come up with a realistic understanding of some of those things you're facing. I can relate to many of them. You don't have to be a good basketball player to know that LeBron James is a good basketball player. It's the same kind of philosophy. But for some reason, the appointed in the elite crowd, um, the cancel culture, those out propagating all of these anti-union ideals and philosophies, which is a contravention to what our forefathers established this country to be. We were supposed to be one nation, one nation, one people. And yet, even from the top down, from the White House down, experts, um, important people, people that have a lot of power, are pushing things out into the community and forcing for us to concentrate on our differences with others rather than teaching us, pointing to ways to reconcile differences and to once again become one nation, become common with each other, sharing same values in many ways, same objectives, but honoring the opinions of those who we differ with. What a novel idea, huh? So along that line, a poll yesterday said that most voters in the U.S. view President Biden as a weak commander-in-chief. The survey by Rasmussen, who's probably the most reliable and most accurate polling agency, and nonpartisan, by the way, in that survey they asked, Compared to most recent presidents, is President Biden a stronger commander-in-chief of the military or a weaker one? Or is his performance as commander-in-chief about the same? Overall, a majority, 54%, said Biden is a weaker leader, followed by 24% who said he's stronger, 15% who said he's about the same. In comparison, back in June of 2018, 40% of voters, and a majority of those with military experience, said President Trump was a stronger commander-in-chief of the military than most recent presidents. That's according to Rasmussen. Opinions vary on party lines, as an overwhelming majority of Republicans, 85%, say Biden's weaker, compared to 58% of independents and 31% of Democrats who hold the same view. A plurality of Democrats, 43%, think Biden is a stronger commander-in-chief. Not only do a majority of voters view Biden as a weaker leader, 63% say he is less aggressive with world leaders than were his predecessors. That sentiment shared by a plurality of Democrats, 42%, 83% of Republicans, 66% of independents. The survey taken October 27th and 28th among a 1,000 likely voters has a margin of error of plus or minus 3%. Now, I don't even need to point to all of these things that have happened on Joe Biden's watch that result in Americans feeling this way. But i got to be honest with you. If I'm a Democrat, if I'm in Congress, if I'm thinking about being in Congress, if I'm a Senate, if I'm a Democrat in any branch of government at the state level or the local level, 
I'm stepping back a bit and doing a pause, a pause to kind of rethink where I am in my life politically, where I am on all of these issues that we're dealing with today. And looking objectively at facts, not emotions, not on political partisanship on your part, but just looking at facts. And I mean, put the facts in perspective of what we are living in right now as a nation. And then bring that right on down to the level where you're living. You're part of a nation. We all are. How's it impacting you? How's it making you feel? What are the the challenges that you face? Wow. Hey, not only are a lot of these issues being handled at the federal level, but a lot of these issues happening at the federal level trickle down to the state and local level. In fact, most of them to do. Do you know who Elise Stefanik is? She's a congresswoman, and I guess I'm supposed to say U.S. congressperson now, even though she is female. Um, she weighed in yesterday on about this $450,000, this trial balloon that Biden and his administration floated out there. Now, let me tell you, it's not just willy-nilly write every illegal immigrant a check. That's not what this is about. Under the the Trump administration, a bunch of uh, ambulance-chasing attorneys were sicked on these people that were being separated during the Trump administration at the border, families. Same thing happened during Biden and Obama's watch, but nobody said anything back then. But a bunch of lawyers got on their horses and saw some potential financial opportunities. And so they started meeting with these families that had been secretary, filing lawsuits, federal lawsuits, against the federal government for that separation. Forget about the fact that those people were here criminally. That doesn't matter. Joe Biden's floated an idea out there about Oh, so we can make all these lawsuits go away that came out of the Trump administration. Let's just pay them all, you know, $450,000 each. So in one family, folks, that could be almost a million dollars paid by taxpayers to people that chose voluntarily to break our laws and to come here. So Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, She was asked about her thoughts on this. I liked what she had to say. It explained a lot. Is it true that we're going to give $450,000 to border crossers who are separated? So that was as close as we got. Uh, President Biden ignoring a question from Peter Ducey in Rome about a report that the administration may give six-figure payouts to illegal immigrants. The payments would settle lawsuits over the Trump administration separating them from their families back three years ago. New York Republican Congresswoman Chair of the House Republican Conference, Elise Stefanik, is my guest now. And thank you for your time and thank you for being here this morning. Um, Intriguing story, really got the attention of a lot of people. What can you add on this possibility? Will the administration go forward with it? 
Well, first of all, this should outrage every American. I think about the hardworking families in my district, Bill. The average median income in, income in New York's North Country is about forty dollars to $45,000 for a household. Uh, this administration, President Biden, is considering giving 10 times that, $450,000, for people who broke the law, illegal immigrants who came to this country and did not abide by the rule of law. This is at the same time as we are facing a historic border crisis with the highest number of illegal crossings ever in the month of September. So this would just exacerbate the already crisis that we're seeing on the southern border. And frankly, we are a country that's based upon the rule of law. So this is telling every American that you're going to be awarded for breaking the law, whereas those that abide by the law are at a disadvantage. So it should outrage every American. And certainly House Republicans will oppose this. We've already spoken out in opposition, but we will do everything we can to stop this. Okay, so Kevin McCarthy, your boss tweets yet another way President Biden's put America last. Lawyers in his own administration admit payouts to illegals could be more than the families of the fallen from 9-11 received. Disgraceful is how he ends it. They're arguing this is the quickest legal resolution. Is it? Well, no, certainly. First of all, Kevin McCarthy is not my boss. My boss are the people of New York's 21st Understood. Congressional District. I love working with Kevin. We're a team. But my boss are always my constituents. When it comes to the legal putting this to rest, look, it is clear. The individuals that crossed the border illegally broke the law. They should not be awarded the $450,000. Kevin makes a really important point that we should not be awarding these individuals more than gold-starred families receive. Uh, and again, I put it in context of the income levels of hardworking families in my district. Uh, it just is not the direction we need to move in in this country, and it's going to further exacerbate this border crisis on the southern border. Okay, two minutes. I have two more topics. Joe Biden yesterday in Rome uh, was talking about passing both of his bills. Here's what he said about that, getting it done. I didn't run to determine how well I'm going to do in the polls. I ran to make sure that I followed through on what I said I would do as president of the United States. I believe we will pass my Build Back Better plan, and I believe we will pass uh, the infrastructure bill. You have, you have an ear to the ground up there. 96 progressives are hanging tough right now. Will they both pass? Well, certainly they don't have the votes today. And Bill, uh, as I've experienced, I'm in my fourth term in the House. The devil is always in the details. And there's a lot of details they have to work out. What it's important for the American people to know is that the legislation Democrats are considering is the largest tax increase in our nation's history and the largest spending package in our nation's history. It is also riddled with far-left socialist policies like mass amnesty, uh, elimination of the bipartisan hide protections, ensuring taxpayer dollars don't go to fund abortions. And there's policy after policy that as the American people learn more about it, they don't support. What's interesting is the Democrats are being controlled by their far left progressive socialist members. This is not your grandfather's Democratic Party. They are having to appease the left. And I always think it's important uh, that American people know that we're talking about thousands and thousands of legislative pages. If Democrats force this to the floor in quick action, their members will not have had the opportunity to read it. So we will have the same experience we had uh, in, when they passed Obamacare, when they didn't read the legislation. This is bad for America. Democrats don't have the votes, but the American people need to speak up and call their representative to say vote no. Mm. Meanwhile, in New York City, here's the Post, uh, New York Post cover today. It's says minutes from tragedy. Uh, the headline's this, New York City vaccine mandate will force 24,000 city workers uh, to stay home effectively today. How's that going to work? 
It's not going to work. Uh, New York has already faced a crime crisis this past year. And when we think about those frontline workers, the first responders who put their lives and health on the line serving New Yorkers during the COVID pandemic, now to penalize them when we already have a labor shortage and historic numbers of retirement. Uh, there was news about the number of fire departments that are uh, not able to respond in the same timely fashion than they typically would be. Certain fire department companies are closing in New York City. The vaccine mandates are unconstitutional. And again, it's exacerbating an already tenuous situation as we face a labor shortage with first responders and law enforcement officers across the country. So it makes New York less safe. Well, we're stepping into a new area here. 8,000 NYPD, 3,700 uh, fire department, uh, 2,000 sanitation workers. We'll see how the city manages here. You know what we're seeing, folks? We're seeing a mass change of the landscape of our country. Now, putting that in the context of you and me, think about all of the structure that you have through years, many of us decades, the structure and the way we operate, the way we live, the way we interact with others in our individual lives. It can be and is a little different for most people, but the fundamentals, the basic are the same. If you've not spent much time in a foreign country, you won't understand what I'm about to tell you. Uh, five years ago, four years ago, five years, I spent a lot of time in uh, Switzerland. Uh, in one run, I spent about two and a half months. And in two different trips in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, spent maybe 30 days. And so what I did, I was there for business, but what I did in both places is I realized the differences nation to nation compared to the United States and the way we live. Now, I'm not just stuck in northwest Louisiana. I'm not a Cajun, which I am a Cajun from south Louisiana, but I'm not just that. We like to put people in their own little boxes and tell them, don't you come out of that box. I've got you figured out. I'm just going to make all my choices and decisions about you based on what I know about you. You know what I'm talking about. I didn't live in a vacuum. I'd been all over the United States. I mean, as we're talking right now, I'm a 68-year-old bald guy that wears a beard, and I have a earring in my left ear, a gold earring that I got on a ride on the back of my Harley to Montreal, Canada. So I've been around a little bit. I'm not bragging about anything, but I've inter interacted with people from different societies in business, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic, different races. And so I understand a lot, but when I went to Switzerland and I went through London and spent a few hours in London on my way and also coming back, and then I went from Zurich, Switzerland and went to Kuala Lumpur on a trip, but I went through Muscat Oman and spent half a day there waiting for a plane change. And I got, I was in the airport, but I got to interact with a bunch of uh, people that are living in and from Oman. And then Malaysia. And I love, I love Malaysia. I love Malaysian people. I love Kuala Lumpur. The food, everything societal there is just, it's amazing. It's a bigger city than is New York City. Much bigger. And you can see pretty much anything, good and bad. The big difference besides the language and the cultural differences and the fact that uh, Malaysia is a very Muslim nation, besides that, is socioeconomic. 
people there, there is very little of middle class. People there are either very wealthy, and I mean very, very wealthy, or they're very poor. And so people that live in those conditions, they have to find ways to develop the ability to thrive within whatever circumstances they find themselves. But going back up to the 10,000-foot level, where I like to stay on the most part where I can be more objective, I look at this and I'm backing out of that just to say this. It's wrong for us to expect everybody to live in the same concept of life that we have. It's wrong for us to even think that should be something they should do, and it's much worse for us to try to force people to make that their life without having any choice or any input into that. Now, throughout history, we've seen that happen again and again and again. Every historical movement throughout world history, there's been a person or a group of people that have done their darndest to seize control of everything their populace does, doesn't do, where they work, where they don't work, where they live, how they live. They want to seize control and make that their choice rather than the choice of these people. There are a lot of people that are in America today, many of who are in very powerful and very important positions in government and otherwise. You have a lot, some of the most powerful people, in fact, I would say the most powerful people in the nation are not in politics, but they're filthy rich, multi-billionaires, And because of their economic status, forget about how they got there. It doesn't matter. Where they are, they look at their world differently than you and I look at our world. Yeah, they have challenges, but their challenges are different than ours. We live and we respond and we react and we prepare and we insert ourselves into the circumstances in which we live and find ourselves. The big buzzword in politics has always been, I want everybody to have total freedom. I want everybody to live in this representative republic and have an equal say-so in everything. And if you elect me, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Basically, to do that, they don't say this, but what they would have to do is beat everybody up that thinks differently from them and make them think like they do. Don't get me wrong, they would love to do that in many cases because they think they should have or many think they already have the power to make that happen, which is far beyond the truth and far beyond what's just and freedom and justice for all. But that doesn't change the fact, folks, that we interact with people like that every day of our lives. And we must find ways to interact with them. It's a dangerous thing for us to live with blinders on and never realize those things and people around us. As a Christian, and a a very active Christian, um, many of you who know me, you know that I, I go and am part of a prayer meeting that happens every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. And yeah, it is a, sometimes it's a task. Uh, last night I was up very late working till about one o'clock in the morning and it was tough to get in my car and take off to that prayer meeting at 5.30 
and then come back here and finish up getting prepared for the show today and doing that five days a week, it's, um, it's a challenge. But I do it because I think it's the right thing for me to do right now. And folks, when you're planning your life, when you're looking ahead, even to maybe just tomorrow, when you're putting things in place, you have a tremendous responsibility. And thank God you have the ability as an American to have some options, in many cases in every area of your life, from which to choose what's best for you, what you want to do to make sure you don't step accidentally in a trap that you've identified as a trap. Everybody around the world does the exact same process in one way. Their way may be different from ours. And usually they are because they're dealing with a different set of fundamental circumstances than are we. They don't have the same choices to make in many cases that we do. We need to understand that everybody is different. Maybe not much different, but everybody is different. And it's not our place. It's not our right. It's not our ability to usurp anything we think in their their lives and either force what we think they should be or should not be doing on them. That's wrong. We should never have that right. And our forefathers knew that when they crafted the United States Constitution. And when Thomas Jefferson, looking back at the original draft, he felt like the citizens had not been clear enough when there was a federal government established. Wasn't clear enough to make sure that a group of all of the fundamental rights that we wanted guaranteed would always belong to the people and that the government could never supersede us in anything to do with those things, they crafted the first 10 amendments. And we call it the Bill of Rights. That's how important it was then. And let me tell you this, it still is now, for Americans to retain those rights and the abilities that come with those rights to govern our nation, the people to govern our nation. That's what we should be about. We should not be playing politics. We should not be putting people down, forcing people or trying to force people into uh, a particular position or thought process with we think they should all have. If you've got children You know exactly what I'm talking about. You can only do so much in making your kids do something. When they get to a certain age where they can reason pretty comfortably for themselves, many of them think they're at that age way before they really are and way before they have that ability to discern and make good choices based on facts rather than strictly on emotions. But we all face that. It's a right, no question about it. But that right comes with a lot of responsibility. We're living in a world full of hard-left politicians who are married and sold out to the ideals of their political party. That's a scary thing. That's not the way this country is supposed to be operating. It's supposed to not be top-down, government down to the people. It's supposed to be from the bottom up. 
government of, government by, and government for the people. Let me tell you what I'm looking for to happen. We're going to go to our final break, and when we come back, got a couple of goodies that I don't want you to miss out on. I mean a real goodie that's going to blow your mind. But let me just tell you this. As a Christian, and this is where I started when I, I was headed just a few minutes ago when I got got back on that how do we treat other people and the way they think and the way we treat them. Um, where I was headed is as a Christian, I believe in the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's written word. I believe every word of it is true and is applicable. Every single word in it. Have I read it? Yes. 66 books. Uh, I won my first Bible when I was in a youth group growing up in which I had to memorize in order the 66 books of the Bible and not just say them. I had to write them and spell them, (laughs) which it took me a while to get comfortable with doing that. But I love the Bible. I love what it contains. I love what it represents. And I love the messages that are in there. And I've learned a lot from it. But when it comes to seeking things from a Christian perspective, there are what's called fruits of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as they roll out in our life and through us, and gifts of the Spirit. Those are spiritual things, opportunities that we can access, and we consciously make a decision to access. One of those is called the gift of discernment. And of all the gifts of the Spirit that I've prayed for in my life, I've wanted as number one to be the gift of discernment. Now, what is that? It's the ability when I interact with you or anybody to be able to feel and sense and know with confidence certain things. And it's not principally to know anything about you to usurp you or power or gain power over you or to make you feel wrong or be better or worse or less than you and vice versa. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with caring for and wanting to help and wanting the best, always wanting the best for every person with whom I interact. And sometimes you can find out things before you actually are told by this person. You can find out things spiritually if you have the gift of discernment to know in advance. Maybe not everything about it but know there's something up in that area. And therefore, you can treat them knowing that, without knowing all the details, but knowing that they're struggling with things or there are problems and challenges that they're facing. Those are very important things for you to consider. And it goes back to this before we go to break. I'll just tell you, it boils down to this. Living life is not all about me. It's about putting others first and me at the end of that. Now, can we do that? Everybody has the right and the ability to do that. The question is, will we do that? That's something that's a lot harder to do than it is to say. Don't go away. Back with the biggie next. Thank you for joining us this morning. Join us Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 Central, for Dan Newman, TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. At the Forest Foundation, we care about three things. 
Tree things, nature things, and the third thing, bird things. The homes of native birds are being destroyed at an alarming rate. That's why our goal is to give a birdhouse to every bird on Earth. Humans stopped living in trees ages ago. It's time we invited birds indoors with the rest of us. Do your part and text Dirty Birdie to 3030 to donate a bird bath to 30 Birdies. You can either be part of the problem or you can be with us, the Forest Foundation. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. want to do is on the way out, I want you to present an exact example of what we were just talking about. This happened late yesterday. Democrat National Committee Chair Jamie Harrison declared on MSNBC's deadline that the Republican Party has become a party of fascism and fear. Nicole Wallace was the anchor. She said, are you surprised that Republicans took this real distortion of what critical race theory is, a theory taught in law schools, not in public elementary schools, and turned it into such a thing for their votes. He said, no, I'm not surprised at all. Listen, I'm a black guy who grew up in South Carolina. We know dog whistles when we hear them. But the sad part is that you even have some press who are following up with some of these same issues. I had an earlier interview today, and the person interviewing me said that, critical race theory, and that it's taught in public schools in Virginia. I'm like, which ones? This is a theory in law school. This is a dog whistle to divide people. And so let's call it what it is. It's about racial division, racial hatred, racial animosity. That's what they want to focus on right now. But what Terry McAuliffe wants to focus on is all of the people in the Commonwealth of Virginia, how he can continue to deliver for them, making their lives better. This is the perfect example of what we were talking about. Everybody has a life, and everybody's life isn't always different, isn't always different from everybody else's, but in many cases, it is. What we have to do, folks, is we have to find our way to trust God, trust his guidance, and do the right thing all the time. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for sharing with me. And again, this is just the middle of the week. We got another couple of days, maybe a big surprise or two in store for you tomorrow and Friday. I want to end with a song that uh, comes from an album that I was executive producer of, and it was nominated for three Grammys. 
Forever Jones from right here in Shreveport, Louisiana. And this is the number one lead song on that first album. It's Get Ready. See ya.